Pastor Xavier Reese and the role of leaders. Your service and mine, it's primarily to God. If you start serving people before you serve God, you'll start trying to please people. You'll, you'll bend with the wind. You serve God primarily. And then because you serve God faithfully primarily, then your service to the people will be effective. It is service to the people after service to God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. In government, institutions, and even the church, good leadership is important, but too often there seems to be a void. Well, in today's study, Pastor Xavier addresses the latter and takes us to God's Word to dig out the qualifications prescribed by God for leadership in His church. Open your Bible to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3 for today's study, The Office and Qualifications of a Bishop. One day a man prayed, Lord, when I am wrong, make me willing to change. When I am right, make me easy to live with. So strengthen me that the power of my example will far exceed the authority of my rank. This is kind of the leadership that Jesus was speaking to his disciples about as they were petitioning for the right and the left hand, James and John. And when the other ten heard what they were petitioning, they got all mad. Not because they were better than the two, but because they had the same thing in mind, the two had beat the ten to it. It was a constant thing among the disciples, the dirty dozen. They wanted to be served. They didn't want to serve. And Jesus constantly told them over and over again, it shall not be so among you. Paul the Apostle constantly told the Corinthians, be an imitator of me. He tells us the Philippians, and he says, that what you've seen in me, do, and the God of peace will be with you. An incredible proclamation. God is looking for men who are willing to be led, that they may lead the people of God. Now, having forbidden women to teach and exercise authority over the man... Paul moves to speak to the men who are to be heads of their homes and heads of the church. It is here in chapter 3 that Paul's theme is the qualification of two church offices, bishops and deacons. And he does this in order that Timothy might know how to conduct himself in the house of God, as he tells them later on in verse 14 and 15 of the same chapter. Now, women are not to lead the church in spiritual matters. We've seen this. But men are not to lead the church in spiritual matters without being qualified. And this is now what chapter 3 deals with. It's not just for anybody to lead. The prophet Hosea, chapter 4, 9, warns the people when he says, Like people, like priests. The principle is simple. The people will reflect the leadership. The home, if, you ha if the home has a, a, a well, stable, directed head, then the family will have direction. But you have a head who doesn't lead, a head who's a bad example, then the rest will most likely be the same. There are always exceptions, but that's basically the rule. And that's the scary thing in the church. That if we don't have the standards, 
then we're no better off than the world. So Paul gives to Timothy three important truths about the office of a bishop here in verse 1 in the first portion of verse 2. Let me read it for us. This is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. That's all we're going to cover. Here's the three important truths that he gives regarding the office of bishop. First, the commendation of the office of a bishop in verse 1. Secondly, the function of the office of a bishop, the last portion of verse 1. And thirdly, the qualifications of the office of a bishop in verse 2. Now, first of all, the office is to be occupied by men who are diligent to seek the office. We get this here in verse 1. The first word desire there means to be eager, earnest, or to aspire. Literally, a stretching of one's hand out after and in order to grasp one's pursuit by one's internal motivation. But the focus here is on the external act. You might see someone trying to grasp something as it's being pulled away from them, and they're, they're just reaching. That's the idea. There's an external longing and, 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 and attempting to grab a hold of. This is the word right here. It appears three times in the New Testament, and it is translated greediness to identify those who covet money in chapter 6, verse 10. So the context will tell you whether it's positive or negative, good or bad. The same word is used to describe the desire of the men and women of faith who are looking for a better country, a heavenly one, in Hebrews eleven sixteen. The word implies a few important things. First of all, it does not mean that all men are to be bishops. That is very, very clear. Secondly, it does not mean that the office of bishop is to be exercised in turn by every man in the church. This is not a, a, a time of rotation or a place of rotation. It's not a thing that everybody takes their shot and let's see how, who can do the best. It's not what it's talking about. This is not a democracy. The church never is a democracy. It means that he who is drawn and called by God should respond to the Holy Spirit in a diligent manner. If God is prompting his heart, that he should respond accordingly. Now notice, secondly, that the office is to be occupied by men whose hearts are towards it, not just attracted to it for some personal motive. This is given to us in the second word, desires. Two different Greek words. This second word means to set one's heart on something with passion and longing. The word can be used again in a good sense or a bad sense referring on the context. It is used of a man who lusts after a woman to commit adultery in his heart in Matthew 5.28. And the negative. It is used of Jesus who desired to eat the Passover with his disciples in a positive sense in Luke 22.15. So it's a passionate longing from within. Again, the word implies certain things. Men should not approach the office rashly or impulsively. Secondly, men should approach the office with the fear of God. 
And thirdly, men should approach the office with a godly desire. It is God moving in the heart of the man to move him towards this direction. I did not choose to be a, a pastor teacher. God began to deal with my heart. It was not my goal. I did not go to school for this. What I went to school for, you can't do in church. I was lost pagan. This is God's doing. But notice, thirdly, the office is to be commendable as reliable. It's commended as reliable. The word faithful, you know, means trustworthy and true, to be commonly accepted. It is used of God who calls us. In fact, uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, Paul says, He who calls you is faithful who also will do it. So he's not the author of confusion. It is used for the character of God towards the believer in his suffering in 1 Peter 4.19. That we are to commit ourselves to him as a faithful creator in our sufferings. He is faithful. In fact, this word appears 13 times in 1 Timothy. Faithful, 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 trustworthy, reliable. Now the phrase appears, as you know, five times. This phraseology of this is a faithful saying in the pastoral epistles, and it appears nowhere else. First, Second Timothy, and Titus. The phrase is taken by some in this particular text to refer to the preceding verse of the last chapter, that Eve, as well as all other women, will be saved despite the fall that came through her. But the majority of commentators and expositors understand and accept this phrase to refer to what follows to the office and position of a bishop, and I agree with this. I think it's looking forward. That's what the faithful saying is regarding, the office of the bishop. The phrase implies as well as uh, teaches that the office of a bishop is a trustworthy, a reliable, a true office in the church for the benefit of the people of God. That this office is not self-serving. This office is not to glorify any man. This office is to serve the benefit of the church. You remember when Aaron and his sons were called by God to the priesthood, to the office of the priesthood? The people were made very aware of the awesomeness of that office. By the particular attention that was called to Aaron and his sons, by the particular details that were given to them, by the particular consecration that had to take place, by the particular offerings that had to be given. And all were to say, I don't want to go there if I'm not called. In fact, the warning was, unless you're called, God will strike you. Now, this is kind of the same thing. This is not something we choose. This is not something that everybody gets a shot at. The office of a bishop is not to be thought of as a common ordinary position that anybody can apply. Rather, it's to be occupied by men who are called by God. Paul the Apostle, you recall, as he was speaking to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17, he says, But as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk, and so I ordain in all the churches. Now he's talking about being single, being married, being circumcised, uncircumcised, being slave, being free. But the principle runs throughout. You and I are to follow in the calling that God has called us. Because that's what we will serve best. 
It's not a matter of competition. It's not a matter of, 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 of comparing. It's a matter of, of doing what God has called me to be and to do. The desire and longing for the office of a bishop is the work of God in the individual through the Holy Spirit to do his good pleasure. In fact, to the Philippians, Paul says in Philippians 2.13, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of what? Of his good pleasure. We used to do our own pleasure in the world. We used to use our own position for our own benefit. Now it's different. The office of a bishop is commended due to the fact that it serves the benefit of the body of the church, not the person, even as the gifts necessary are also endowed to accompany the office. Because if God calls you, he enables you. Paul the Apostle says in 1 Corinthians 12, 18 and 24, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. He is sovereign. He knows where you fit best. He knows what he has equipped you for, and he has set you there. Have you ever heard your hand complain of being a hand? Your foot? They just go on and do what God designed them for. And they don't do anything for themselves. They do everything for the rest of the body. And somehow we don't get the picture, even though it's given us an illustration of the body of Jesus Christ in the church. And we're always comparing and, and complaining and, and murmuring. And Well, how about him? Jesus, how about if I let him live till I come back? And then Peter started a rumor that, that John wasn't ever going to die. <laughs> Interesting. When God is speaking to, Jesus is speaking to Peter, Peter said, well, how about him? Forget about him, Peter. And that's how much of the church is. Well, how about, forget it. What has God called you to be and to do? Grab a hold of it and go for it. He says that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should, be, should have the same care for one another. Verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 12. Mutually doing all that they're designed to do so the benefit goes throughout the body. The office of a bishop is to be commended. It is essential. It is to be exercised. It's to be acknowledged in the church. I notice, secondly, the function of the office of a bishop is given to us there in verse 1 also, the latter portion. First of all, the function of the bishop is the focus, not the man. I want you to notice that. The office is the focus, not the man. There are no distinct instructions given to how to exercise the office in our text here. But they are scattered throughout the pastoral epistles. Talks them about doctrine. Talks them how to, how to deal with young ladies, how to deal with older ladies, how to deal with men, how to do this, how to do this, how to, how to confront the false teacher, how to do this. So all of that is scattered throughout. But the focus here is not on how to exercise it, but on who and what needs to be met to qualify. The office is the focus. The word for bishop means an overseer or a superintendent. There are various forms of episcopi, episcopos, and different things like that in the Greek. Now, the Septuagint used it to describe the taskmasters in the restoration of the temple in 2 Chronicles 34, 17. The original word refers to a foreman of a construction gang, a supervisor of a building construction. 
The Greeks used it to describe the men appointed to go out from the mother city to regulate the affairs of the newly founded colony in some distant place. Rome used it to describe the magistrates appointed to the oversee the sale of food within the city of Rome. The word was also used of a special delegate appointed by the king to see that the laws be laid down and carried out in the land. So here it speaks of that overseeing. The function of the office of a bishop, notice, regards spiritual matters. This is the focus. The phrase, the position of a, of a bishop here in our text, episcopi, which appears four times in the New Testament, is always used in this scriptural context, spiritual. In fact, twice it's used for the spiritual office. Acts 1.20, one who would take the bishopric of Judas. And then here in chapter 3, verse 1, twice for the office. Twice it is used of God's visitation on the people through the gospel in Luke 19.44 and 1 Peter 2.12. Every time the context is regarding spiritual matters. The function regards practical labor also. Notice that by the phrase, a good work. Implying here the co-participation of God and man. See, sometimes people, they're just, they think everything's real spiritual and, and they, don't, they aren't very practical. They speak about, oh, God loves you and this and that, we ought to do it. But there's never any real practical application. They don't roll up their sleeves and do the work of ministry. There's both that exist. In fact, Ephesians 2.10 that you know, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Before God saved me, he prepared Pasadena for me. Before I was saved, God knew that I was going to be a pastor teacher. He said all these works out. Now my responsibility is to seek the Lord to, so I can walk in those works that he has called and prepared for me. That's my responsibility. And not to come up, compare myself to any other pastor, to any other church, nobody. But what God has prepared. You recall Paul telling the Philippians in Philippians 2, 12, and 13, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So there is that co-participation. There is that, that walking with God that I may obtain. What did Paul tell the Philippians? I, I want to lay hold on that for which I was apprehended for. I have not arrived. As long as you're still here, you haven't been there. <laughs> As long as you're here, you've got a lot more work to do. Notice, secondly, the function of the office of a bishop is honorable due to the fact that it is spiritual in nature. It is not honorable because of the man. The man's not in focus here. It's the office. It is honorable in and of itself. The honorableness of the office is indicated by the word good, which means intrinsically good, excellent, with the sense of healthy, serviceable, that which is ordered and sound. It is that which is essential for 
the edification of the body. In fact, the word is used for the good fruit in the kingdom parables in Matthew 13, 10. It is used of Jesus, the good shepherd, in John 10, 11. The office is good and beneficial because it is sourced in God through the call. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, as we touched earlier. He calls you, he enables. The office is good and beneficial because God enables a person, as Paul tells the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, as he's speaking about how God enabled him and Apollos and you shouldn't compare them. And who is sufficient for these things? God is sufficient. Jesus Christ is sufficient. We're not sufficient in and of ourselves. The office is good and beneficial because it is service to God primarily. And Paul tells us to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, 19. Your service and mine, whether it's normal service or a bishop, it's primarily to God. If you start serving people before you serve God, you'll start trying to please people. You'll, you'll bend with the wind. You serve God primarily. And then because you serve God faithfully primarily, then your service to the people will be effective. The office is good and beneficial because it is service to the people after service to God. And Paul puts both of those in that priority, in that order, in Acts 20, verse 20 and 21, as he's speaking to the Ephesian elders. The spiritual nature of the office is also indicated by the word work. Now, we don't often associate work with, with, with spiritual things, but, but, but it is. There, there is a physical labor. There is a manual labor. The work work means employment, task, or business. The office is occupied with the well-being of men's, listen, souls, because it's spiritual in nature. So there is work to be done, but it's always with the focus of their souls. We're not dealing with your physical health. We're dealing with your eternal soul. We're dealing with the eternity of that abiding of that soul. Where is it going to be? What condition is it going to be while you're here? Where are you at? Are you playing church? Are you playing games? Or are you walking with God? We're dealing with the soul here. The office is occupied with the well-being of this focus. Paul the Apostle makes this very clear to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, 14 through 15. As he speaks about him being a father and, his, and the Corinthians being his children. Now, he would give himself and, and, and more than give himself. He would be spent and gladly be spent for the children's sake. The children are not to give it for the parent, but the parent are to lay it for the children. That's the picture. The office is occupied with hard labor, even as Paul speaks about to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13. He's speaking about laborious labor to exhaustion. The ministry is difficult. It's, 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 it, it, you put your time in. You, you, you do different things. But this is God's calling. It's not something you're doing to be seen or to, to, to applaud or anything else. The office is occupied with opposition. Hebrews 13, 17. He speaks about um, not objecting to the rule of the eldership. 13, 17. He says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls and those who must give an account, let them do it with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. You know, there are some people who all they want to do is just raise up a little group of people to, to make their own little movement and little objections and stuff like that. And we see it through history. We see it through the Bible over and over again. And God takes care of those things. The church is not a place for you to set up your kingdom and your little group. The church is a place to serve Christ in the world. 
And we've gotten so far away what the church is for because people do not understand the nature of the church. And we're allowing the world to set the agenda and to dictate everything rather than to go to the scriptures. Pastor Xavier Reese with today's State of the Church and a reminder for her to return to her true calling. Now, there's still much more to come from our study next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, though, you can pick up a copy of this message on CD. The title to ask for is The Office and Qualifications of a Bishop. It's available for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study when you're finished with your own study. So once again, the title to ask for is The Office and Qualifications of a Bishop. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. What does it take to be a leader in the church? The answer may surprise you. That's our topic on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Don't miss it. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 